before Gotti really did it. Leading by example wasn't hard, and plus I dated women. Taught them all I know, and two years later, I'm an auntie figure. Now, what's the difference if I'm sending in this contradiction? Trying to right my wrongs, but I go left and miss the whole picture. Hazy vision, cause I'm blazing, hanging in the trenches, praying that I make it. Yes, they're living in the same conditions. That's far fetching, double minded, having double standard, double temptation in my face. My kryptonite is damaged. They say, if you knew better, you would do better. But I know and still live it up and do whatever My daddy's gone and my mama, she's my backbone Like every time I fall off, I always go back home Headed down the road of truth for death up in my rear view It's time to make a change, the end of days is coming up soon Raised to be a Christian, but was bred to be a goon Was taught from the streets, but I never learned from school Now it's time to pay my dues with my head held high Cause in reality, we all just living to die So I'm ten toes down, trying to steer from my demise Steadily claiming that I'm cool, but you can see it in my eyes Hey, as time flies, I think I'm learning from my Every move to make it in this life, you gotta sacrifice and lose. That's the truth. If I'm lying, you can stop me now. I'm standing tall so you can never ever break me down. God got me, you don't. You a lying, he won't. You a fake and he can't. And that's the friend that I want. You not believers, I don't get it. You say he's a fraud. Yet every time you get in trouble, you say, oh my God. Would you die for everybody to have a clean slate or get beaten until we couldn't recognize your face? Now I don't think so. It's time to wake up and look around because the devil's trying to take us. I know I'm not perfect, but tell me who is. You couldn't judge me if you wanted. Leave the judging to him. I know I'm going on the whim to get the ignorance to listen. God gave me your word. Now it's time to do my mission. I don't get it. Is my pigment such a bad thing? Are we in our last days or a bad dream? This world is contribution so confusing and it's complex. We living just to die, so I'm wondering if I'm next. Yeah. Listening to KBOO Portland, the time is 7.01, and next is Keeping It Real with Arone. Stay tuned. KBOO Community Radio is proud to co-sponsor Top Dog Underdog, running Friday, November 9th at the Chapel Theater in Milwaukee. Top Dog Underdog tells the story of a sibling rivalry between African-American brothers in a turbulent relationship punctuated with dark humor. Their names are Lincoln and Booth. This show has adult content and is not recommended for children. Again, that's Top Dog Underdog running Friday, November 9th at the Chapel Theater, 4107 Southeast Harrison Street in Milwaukee. More information can be found at kboo.fm on the right side of the homepage under Community Events. KBOO Community Radio is proud to co-sponsor the Mulugeta Sarah Commemorative Conference Tuesday, November 13th from 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. at the University Place Hotel and Conference Center in Portland. This half-day conference honors Mulugeta Sarah, 28-year-old Ethiopian college student living in Portland who was murdered by racist skinheads on November 13, 1988. This conference will include panel discussions, continuing legal education for attorneys, and community training on addressing hate. Again, that's the Mulagetta Sarah Commemorative Conference, Tuesday, November 13th from 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. at the University Place Hotel and Conference Center, 310 Southwest Lincoln Street in Portland. More information can be found at kboo.fm on the right side of the homepage under Community Events.
beneath the skin of the street with each step walking closer to my final destination of death when i'm laying the rest i'm only saving my breath the northwest fills the lungs kills the pain in my chest take six quarters out of the pocket and drop it in the box hop the 48 off to pay homage it stops off and i jot my observations watching citizens walking off of the joe metropolitan yeah. proletarians and wayward sons with old filipino men speaking in their native tongue and the day has just begun greeted by the scent of a bum smelling something like beer barf and dung a brother in jabos in the back all alone marinating in a pair of half broken headphones mumbling rhymes same time begin to pen mine appreciating god's design rewind sister reminds me of a smile in the back of my memory wonder if i see her again will she remember me i'm not trying to holler i swear i'm just weary of the way we hop a ride and just sit there and stare prepare for my nine o'clock work meeting a couple pale folks slide right by with no yo portland what's going on we're back with another episode of keeping it real shout out to nick dizzy he's not present with us he's been busy lately but still got love for you young dizzy and you know you still got a space here um other than that i have a couple of important guests today one is on the way however the other none other than my brother <laughs> ill will <laughs> thank you what's going on man welcome to the family man i really appreciate it how you doing man what's going on what's new it's been a while man um i've been i just been back in portland for about six months i finished uh -huh. a master's of teaching english program in new york at columbia okay and so i got some different experiences there that i can relate to my experiences working here in, in portland in the north portland community and man you asked me a question earlier mm -hmm. and i and i would like to answer that but i also want to keep it balanced so i'm okay. gonna throughout this somehow find a question that I can ask you. Okay, sounds good. Um, so let's talk a little bit about that. Yeah, so what's up? So, you know, uh, this is not your first time here, right? And last time you came here, we talked a lot about gentrification. Uh, we talked about, you know, your your work in, you know, in, uh, in North Portland. And we also just kind of, you know, touched up on uh, some of the impact that you've been able to make, you know, for your younger kids um, in the community. Um, and now, you know, you you got your master's degree. Um, you know, you've had a couple of months, uh, you know, about six months back in Portland. Um, so let's talk a, a little bit about your, like, perspective, right? Um, usually people get their degrees and then go into job search and all that stress that comes with that. What have you been doing? So... I have kind of an unorthodox path and um, truthfully I haven't shared this with that many people, only people that's close to me, but I'm going through some physical and mental things right now that is partly in my control, which I feel empowered and partly is out of my control, which is a bit scary. And anybody, I'm living at home with my parents right now. Mm -hmm. I'm not working a full-time job. And for anybody that has to take a deviation on their path that they think is linear that they're just keeping on rising um i'll say to you keep going stay strong it's not always linear right and that's kind of a daily um a daily challenge for me but what i have been doing is keeping my mind really focused on what uh what my values are um and that is really has been highlighted um by this recent election so um I've been kind of trying to stay in uh, with activism, mm -hmm. bit, did a couple canvases um, and have been, so got to talk to a lot of people uh, about their, about democracy, about the voting process. Um, and then just kind of congratulating people for participating. Um, it's really tough when you meet someone who feels like they are disenfranchised, that their voice does not count that they are kind of invisible and can't impact their life or the life of others. And so one thing, so what I've been, you asked me, I don't want to stray from your question. What I've been up to has been really thinking about different ways that teachers can approach the classroom and approach students or just generally uh, a community that has power. Let's say the teachers are um, an adult community that has some type of power or direction that uh, makes them stable in society, mm -hmm. helping a population 
youth overall, underserved youth, even more importantly, uh, that doesn't have much agency or, or power? And how can that classroom dynamic help uh, the students feel like they are going to attain that and already really already possess a lot of that right so what i've been thinking about is um just how each person's human experience is automatically a book of knowledge that is valuable not just to that teacher in the classroom to their peers to many others if they're willing to look at themselves critically and appreciate themselves and then appreciate the other youth that are going through the same thing with them this leads me to the greater uh, kind of more all-encompassing human experience. If you can see that someone else has gone through something that's even remotely similar to you, that is uh, that's a connection, and I think that that's worth fighting for. Um, but one th- one thing that I'll share um, that these elections you you've probably been hearing <laughs> about <laughs> elections all day, so hey. people might be tired of it. But um, I ran into a friend, um, an old acquaintance. Uh, who is Andrea Miller. She's director of CAUSA, uh-huh. a nonprofit organization um, that works to advocate for communities okay. and help them participate in democracy as well. And it was a brief exchange. We're not super close, but I just saw her and I, I support her and I support her work. Um, and she, I just asked her how it was going, how the campaign was going. And she said, currently we are just focusing on measure 105. Mm-hmm. which was a measure, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, that was brought to the ballot by a conservative group um, that is repealing a law that that was trying to repeal a law that um, made Oregon a sanctuary state. Yeah. Um, essentially, if that law would have, if that measure would have passed, it would have allowed police officers to racially profile Mm -hmm. which would have disproportionately affected immigrants that are undocumented and so and i'm I'm a bit emotional about this honestly um she said that's the only thing that they're focusing on in a race that had an election that had a lot of uh important measures going on and i'm thinking wow like all these other measures could use your support as well but i really thought about it she didn't make that decision lightly. Um, that is the, to me, the most important takeaway from yesterday's results mm-hmm. is she wanted to focus on a measure that if it was voted no, would make a huge statement that we as a people are not going to accept other people. Basically, we're not going to accept other people being abused and being labeled and judged and um other we won't accept it for ourselves right. because many voters were thinking this could be me but many voters were also thinking that could be my neighbor yeah that could be someone that i don't even know right. but i don't even want to hear about it i don't want this to happen at all and so and that was i don't remember the percentage points but it was smashed it was no way yeah um that it was no to to clarify it was no way that there that the people of Oregon were going to accept there to be racial profiling here right right um and so that really struck me because that's at the core to me of all these other issues right and I, and I constantly when I'm thinking about democracy and thinking about um I mean what what democracy supposedly is yeah and and what it can be if it really is upheld yeah um it can be representative it can be fair and the reason why that measure i think was the most important one and and kind of a statement really kind of a statement of a movement and a a cultural change uh in in oregon or, or perhaps we see ripple effects across the country is because affordable housing measure um taxing um corporations on on yeah. groceries yeah these things seem like they're kind of disconnected but really it's um to me uh deconcentrating mm-hmm. the power and money which 
will go back into people, the people that need it, and help people to have a fair in existence and have freedom. So if let's say one of if if one oh five it didn't pass, so that means that uh we don't wanna see um that that's that it's unacceptable to treat people that way. Right. In a face to face manner and with potential deportation really severe things it's also un- unacceptable to treat people in a way that they're not able to have a home and a roof like a and a steady and place food. to right, stay right. without the threat of displacement without right. the threat of in five to ten years your rent getting raised groceries too expensive different things like that um so it, to me if i've articulated that clearly what i'm trying to say is i think that they're related if you can see someone as a deserving person that is at least in some way similar to you mm-hmm. shares some type of joy triumph sorrow like just like you then you would like for them to also be able to have a stable home right and right. a stable path to the future basic human rights is basic it seems basic, basic. human rights yes right at its own like at the very core to some it's radical deserves a home everybody deserves you know affordable affordable housing you know what I'm saying? Food on the table. The right to uh, reproductive rights. Yeah, and, and you know, like, men cannot be telling women what to do with their bodies. I, I'm sorry, I don't understand that, right? Um, and speaking of women, we have a very powerful uh, woman who just <coughs> stepped on the scene. Uh, we have Miriam here with us. What's up, Miriam? How you doing? What's up? What's up? I'm good. Welcome I'm to good. Keeping It Real. Thank you. It's good uh, to be here. This is your first time here, right? It is. It is. All it's right. my first time. It's amazing. I, a lot of, I told people I was coming here and they, they were like happy me. I'm like, yes, do it. Tell me how, oh. you know, tell me how it is. And yeah, so thank you so much for inviting me. I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, of course. And yeah. you know, uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, Miriam is also an educator. Uh, she works with me. Turn up. Um, and... Um, you know, we both have similar stories in which, you know, both born in the Middle East and made it here, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, and work in the same building. And work in, in the, the same, same school. That is beautiful. The same amazing lives. Like, and what? You know what, what? I'm saying? <laughs> <And> Arabic <laughs> is a language being taught there uh-huh. now. I'm so happy. Watch out, Portland. Watch, Watch out. out. <laughs> so, Miriam, I'm going to talk about a few things that uh, Will here has touched up on. Will's yeah. also a person who's into education, um, a good friend of mine. Um, and, you know, and I want to hear your perspective on a few of those issues as well, right? Um, so the first thing uh, we talked about was Will just finished his master's in New York. Uh, New Yorkers here. Hey, New, New York in the New house. Yes. Where at? Uh, Columbia. Okay, that's awesome. Yeah, so Congrats, they both yeah. finished. Right? So yeah. Will finished his degree and came back to Portland. And we were yeah. just talking about this because there is a lot of, like, societal stresses, right, on, you know what I'm saying, people to you need to go to college, you need to find a job, and blah, blah, blah. But the idea is that um, you always have to find, you know what I'm saying, a place where you feel comfortable, where, you know what I'm saying, you're invested, Mm -hmm. and at the same time, it has to be the right timing, right? You can't rush things. And what I really like about Will is the idea that he's doing it his way, right? Um, Mm -hmm. He's not doing it how anybody else is doing it. He's doing it how Will would do it. that comes with this idea that we talked about of balance, right? Uh, Will is into music and, you know what I'm saying, has, has been exploring that path. Um, and on the other lane, he's been also like working part-time and just looking into education and, right, you right. know, um, trying to empower youth the same way he was doing before he left here um, and in New York. But with that, we came to the elections, mm-hmm. right? Um, first of all, um, so many women. Yes, ladies. Yes. Were elected, oh my God. Yeah. Right. This is a huge yeah. step to me. Yeah. I think women are, and women of color, both yeah. women of color, yeah. and the, the barriers are being broken down. Yeah. Right. Uh, is it the end of the road? No. <laughs> right. Yeah. But we're making progress, I believe. And at the same time, we're talking about a couple of the measures, um, you know that were in the ballot right, right. Um, and got voted on yesterday and one of those was 105 yeah um, uh, which was about the sanctuary state in Portland right, right, right. but the other was uh, there was also one about um, uh, remind the, the the food the, right? food, the, the food taxes yeah, the tax. and then um, what was the last one there was affordable housing affordable housing, housing. yeah and so with all of these measures yeah 
in place too, right? Um, we were just looking at the holistic approach, right? Mm-hmm. Um, saying that the sanctuary state, Measure 105, yeah. was at the heart of all those things, right? Mm. Yeah. Um, because if that, you know what I'm saying, if, if Oregon's no longer a sanctuary state, um, then that displaces many people, right? Yeah. And as educators, we see what it's like when kids are not showing up to school because they're afraid mm-hmm. of ICE or, you know, yeah. and to me that's heartbreaking, yeah. right? Some of these kids depend on, uh, you know what I'm saying, the school to provide them with education but also with food and a safe place. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so coming from a place of education, being an immigrant, mm-hmm. how does, how, what, what, what are some of your views on this and also being a colored woman? Right, right. I think, I, I mean, um, first of all, I want to give a big shout out to like, I, I love when people get an education and go back. Whatever go whatever back means, and back can mean so many different things. It doesn't have to be a physical location, but just going back and kind of doing it your own way and um, reappropriating those institutional forces mm-hmm. to have these conversations or to, to integrate it between music, education, whatever that brings you together, that brings your people and all your peoples together. So just thank you. I don't know. I didn't even I know the rest of your that. journey, thank but you. that sounded, that that was, you know, that just like it's made me feel affirmed. Mm-hmm. You know, it made, when the more you hear it, if you're trying to do that, more like, yes, yes, I see you. You see me, you know, yeah. of trying to reappropriate like institutional power towards, um, towards something revolutionary really or something radical. And that's, you know, the, I think like what the way that I've been thinking a lot about those measures is the act of voting on those measures more than the actual measures this time i think like the measures are definitely um it's interesting that the series of measures that i saw on the ballot yesterday and this is my first year of voting in portland right. you know um Congrats. Turn <laughs> thank up. you thank you <laughs> <laughs> and um the the way that you know i feel like they were all measures that reminded me of all these conversations I've been hearing since I moved here where it's like Portland has this image of pretending to be progressive or actually being about what it what it purports to be like as far as the, the image of it. Right. You know, it relates to, uh, there was one that was directly related to economics and taxation, mm-hmm. one that's relating to housing and displacement. And I one, and I'm gonna pause there about the, with the one on housing displacement and also on being a sanctuary state. I was so bummed my first year in Portland because I didn't hear the word gentrification being mentioned as much as I've seen it happen. Mm. And that was different from Brooklyn. And that was different from Florida. Like the couple of, the, the half my life that I lived in the US, I felt like I heard the word as much as I've seen it happen. I heard the critique. I heard the pushback. I even heard the defenses. Mm-hmm. And here it was like, there was death tone. Right? Yeah, yeah, there was a silence mm-hmm. until I started to seek out the communities where I felt resonance. And that's when I started to hear it. And it's and that made me realize I don't even think that image when it comes to the image of Portland, I think it actually does a disservice to the radical communities here. Mm-hmm. It's not so much that yes, Portland, you can say that it's more conservative than a certain image it gives, but you can also say the opposite. It's that image is more conservative than what right. the actual radical communities are doing inside Portland. Right. These radical communities are underrepresented. Like it's not it's much better than what you would think of as a liberal utopia. It's even better than that. It has its radical communities. They're just not, It, it's like not the image that a city would want if it wants to be like the, per, like the, you know. Yeah, yeah. The, the, it doesn't go the on the tour guide. Exactly, uh, it doesn't yeah. go on the tour guide. They want it to seem like safe and, and friendly, right? Right. But, but these are issues that exactly. is affecting people. Um, I know I have somebody on the phone, somebody special that is. Um, Nick Deasy, what's going on my man? What's up, bro? What's up with you? We miss you. <laughs> Man, I've been working a lot, bro. I wish I could be there. Hey, you know what? Your presence has always felt here, my brother. What's What's going on with you? How is my brother doing? I'm doing good, bro. Hey, you know, this is part of adulting, right? Adulting has hit you hard. But, you know, we're, we're rooting for you. Thank you, bro. Yeah, just, I want to be back to but... I got too much going on right now that I gotta stay working so I can be ready. Okay. Um, let me ask you a quick question, man. Um, what's new with you, man? Let's let's talk about your growth real quick. My world. Your growth, yeah. Like, what's going on? I heard Blue Ivy got hurt. I'm sorry, that's his car, people. Oh I don't know how much Nick Deasy loved his that's car. My baby. 
we we got hit by someone. Um, she got like frame damage, and you know mm-hmm. she's alright. I, I got most of the dent out. Okay. Um, took some cutting compound, a little bit of paint, and she's looking better, but. You know, at the end of the day, everyone in my car was good, and the other driver who hit us was good, so that's all that matters. That's good. I'm glad you, you're looking at it from such a positive and, and a healthy perspective. Um, yeah. So when should the people expect you back over here? Bro, I don't know. I mean, I, I got, I got, well, I'm just saying, I got my family moving. Everybody. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to be the only one here on, the, on this side of the state, so. Okay. Um, everyone, else is, everyone else is moving out to almost Idaho. Oh man, that's deep. Yeah, so I'm, you know, I'm getting into a new place, and you're not leaving, are you? Because you know I'm. No, bro. I'm not letting I, you. I'm staying. I'm staying here. That, that's why I've been working so much, man. It's to see if I can get into a place. Um, I got one right now, but I'm staying. Um, my family should be moving here soon. Okay. The house is hopefully gonna sell soon. Um, you know, it's. Uh, I gotta look at you know the, the only house that I really know since I was born. Mm-hmm. Um, you know it's gonna not gonna be ours no more, but they're doing it to better them. It, it was hard to to accept. You know, my mom said that she was gonna stay here and just let them go, and she was gonna stay here with me. But I, I with them, told her like, Mom, I, you know, I I can't work on one twenty fourth of division and be way out here and yeah. come to the north to make sure she's okay twenty four seven. So I'm. I mean, the money right and um she, she, she's going out with them too that's good man you know and you know uh your family means a lot to me you know and i see your mom on daily yeah. basis on her way to get her coffee in the morning and you know i'm um I'm, i'm very happy that you're doing the responsible thing and you want your mom to be good you know at the same yeah. time i want you to make sure that you're doing your self-care that you you know like that you're getting the rest you need Don't let that stress get you. Oh man, I'm good, bro. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I'm not gonna. Hey, that's you know, good. I'm, I'm not gonna say that I'm not worrying, but my worries are gone now that I know she's not gonna be here no more, and she's gonna be somewhere where the most stuff that goes on in that neighborhood is, you know, someone's riding their little full of wood. That's good. And you know, we got number love for you, brother. I can't man, wait for you to be back. <laughs> I can't wait to be back, man. I still love this film. I still tell everyone about it. Hey, you know still, that's you know, that's the Nigerian Aron show. Man, you know I still wear that t-shirt. <laughs> I still wear that t-shirt that we got, bro. Me too. I still got the beanie too, but my head got a little bit bigger than it. So you're gonna man, have to make mine's a new been one. big. <laughs> well, <laughs> my the brother, beanie didn't fit after I bought it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna get you back. Um, you know, I got nothing but love for you, but we're gonna continue this conversation, okay? Yeah. All right. man, man, much love to you, guys, to Cable, to everyone. Everyone have a great night. Drive safe, everything. We'll do, brother. Much love to you too. All right, bro. Take care. All right, man. All right, bye bye. So y'all heard from Nick Deasy. He's one of the staples of this show, of course. You know, he's the 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 other leg. Um, and so well, we're gonna head back to our conversation. Uh, Miriam, you made many good points, and I'm sorry we. You know, we had to take care of this phone conversation. That was a pleasure. But, no, I love that. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, sorry for interrupting you. But yeah, no, go ahead and, and carry on. So, yeah. you know, you talked about that gentrification, right? And you said that in Portland, which is something, you know, that I also recognize and I'm sure a lot of other Portlandians do, um, it's hidden, mm-hmm. right? Just like many other problems yeah. in Portland, whether it's trafficking and, and, and gang violence, right? Exactly. Um, and I think that there is this touristy side to Portland that the city loves to show right but these are all issues if not taken care of it could get worse right which is it's already bad right um and so i i'm not sure what it was like in new york and i have two people here who's lived in the city right for at least a year plus right so this is a open-ended question to both of you what when you compare those two right where, where does for like where does portland fall on that spectrum and like what do y'all think are some of the ways we can combat those things I'll say something short and I think that you can blow it up you can expand it mm-hmm. one thing about I'm a native Portlander I spent the last two years in New York got a taste but I really Portland is my home when I see what I saw in New York with gentrification I lived in Harlem 
near right Harlem, Columbia area. Yeah. Um, there's a you can see they just got a Whole Foods. The rents are rising. There's a Soha Realty, South Harlem. Mm-hmm. Residents of Harlem had no. There's there's never there's no such thing as Soha. Exactly. So, these things are happening, and but there's so many people that are so established that the com- communities are just from sheer population density are able to maintain some semblance of community in Portland. If you are a family on one block and another family that is of your racial or cultural affinity moves off, you feel that because that there might not be that many. Mm. The density is not uh, the same. So I think that in terms of there's that aspect and then in terms of the visual, when a lot of people think of Portland as a lot of people that move here I feel like think oh Portland was just a little podunk town there was nothing even here before right and so when you see a block that had single story homes that was a calm block and now it's uh has these two and three story block houses with no yards and the trees have been cut down the visual onslaught of that is really striking as well it's not only do I not see people that look like me in, in the neighborhood anymore it's that I don't even recognize my friend's old house or um, mm. it, it, it's I think the visual component is a little stronger in Portland than it is in New York what do you think about that that was really well said I um, I focused more like in my mind on the visual component and now you gave me oh. something to think about too with um, just that feeling of that you know kind of like um, the assumption of a vacuum of community and really it's more intentional it's more like it's like sometimes it it does feel like an intentional disfranchisement of a community you know instead of just a vacuum instead of like it's never here and then you know i spend a little longer here and i find out about the history of portland whether it's listening to people research and i find out it was here Mm -hmm. you know but there's the assumption that it was never here to begin with Mm -hmm. whereas in new york it leaves a dent if you're going to kick some people out they're going to leave a dent like and because of the you know, and it could be, I'm not really sure because of like what the reasons that provide for that dent to be possible are, uh-huh. but I like what you said about the density. I think that could be part of it. And yeah, but okay. I heard that there was a phone yeah, call. Yeah, we, we have a caller. And, and after that, we we're going to take a break and play a song by FKJ called, um, uh, what was it called? Not Waiting? Waiting. Waiting. Featuring Madeline Grant. Waiting. There we go. Um, so Dempsey's on the phone with us. How you doing? I'm doing good. How you guys doing? Good, good. So what do you have for us today, Dempsey? Well, um, I, I live in Salem, but uh, Portland's you know, it's my home. I grew up uh, in the Irving area. Okay. Uh, graduated from Jefferson High School. Jeff, okay. A year, a year after that, um, 1988, um, around that time, the, the skinheads were starting to become more militant and more racist. And they're going around attacking people in Portland whenever, if they saw an Asian person or a or if they thought someone was a Jew or someone's black, they're right. attacking people. Uh-huh. And uh, that's that's when uh, Mulugeta Sarah, yep. Ethiopian uh, immigrant, yeah. he was uh, he was a college student. He was working, and he's escaping violence, mm-hmm. trying to make a better life. But he ended up um, being killed on the streets of Portland by racist skinheads. And uh, there's a commemoration for him next week on Tuesday. I know that KBU sponsoring. Urban League is hosting, and there's a bunch of other people sponsoring. And I, I wanted the opportunity to, you know, promote a little bit. Oh yeah. Um, what time know, is I, it? Uh, it is uh, two next week Tuesday. Uh huh. It's starting at nine in the morning. Um, I, I don't have the address with me, but you, if people want to know more information, they can go to the Urban League website. But they can also go on Facebook and like search Urban League, and you'll see that. Okay. Um, and especially, I know that they really want Portland's young people to show up. Okay. It's kind of um, a hard thing to, you know, because it's during the school day. It's going to be hard for them to get out. But I know that, you know, it's really important for the young people in Portland to know about these things and have the opportunity to let their voices be heard. You know, you know, Dempsey, that's a, a very important point. And I think uh, one thing that three of us teachers here can agree on is that we all love field trips. 
Um, oh, yeah. So, you know, we're going to look into that, too. Um, now, you said that you grew up, uh, you know, in the Jeff er, Jefferson area, right? That's the north yeah. northeast mm-hmm. Portland, right? And, yes, I did. And, you know, uh, based on your uh, experiences, uh, how, how many years would you say you lived in Portland? Uh, it's hard to say. My my family moved from California when I was real small. Okay. So, um, and uh, I came to Irving neighborhood when I was probably like four, five okay. years old, something like that. Okay. And have you had the chance to drive through that same neighborhood today, like in this in this time? Uh, yeah. And uh, what did you it's think? Not what I remember, you know, it's not like when I grew up. My my neighborhood was a mostly African American neighborhood. Um. And then I left the country. I was living in Taiwan for 12 years. Okay. And during the time I was gone, once in a while I'd come back and I would look around and say, where are my neighbors at? Man. They were either, they were old people who were retired or died or they were young people who sold their houses. Yeah. And then more and more uh, young white people came in um, and the neighbors completely changed. It's not, it's not like what I remember it being. So, okay. Well, you know, Dempsey, um, uh, we really appreciate your phone call, and we really appreciate you uh, plugging in um, the the event to celebrate uh, Mulugeta's life, um, you know. And so what we're going to do is we're going to go ahead and make that announcement as well before the end of the show. I'll make sure Great. to plug you Great. in one more time, okay? Okay. All Sounds right. Good. Well, thank you so much for your phone call. Um, we are going to go uh, and take a little break. Uh, we were listening to FKJ um, and... Who is the featured? This vocalist is the lovely Madeline Grant. And the song is called Waiting.
is like one of my favorite songs, Portland. You know, uh, they're coming to concert, uh, so look them up, FKJ. Uh, real good music, fun music, uh, good running music for those of you who like to run. Uh, now we're going to go back to our conversation because there is so much depth in this conversation. And we got to hear from Dempsey, um, and we talked about Mulugeta, who was um, assassinated uh, by some skinheads uh, here in Portland. Uh, there's going to be a, 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 a memorial service for him on Tuesday at 9 a.m. If you need any more information on that, you can go to the Urban League uh, website, or you can also look them up. If you look up Urban League on Facebook, there should be some information there for you. Um, Portland, feel free to call us with your perspective. Uh, you know, this is uh, a station for the people and by the people. And so, you know, this is a platform for you to be heard. Um, um, the number, what is the number, Delphi? You want to plug it in for me? Okay, sure, I will. 503-231-8187. 503-231-8187. Sorry, I wanted to say, hi, Miriam. I'm happy you're here. Hi, thank you for having me. <laughs> so, um, with that being said, uh, I'm going to switch the lanes, uh, you know, just a little bit, okay? Just a little bit. We're going to switch over to Egypt. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. let's talk about your journey, Miriam. Oh, man, let's do it. Tell us a little bit about it. <laughs> I mean, it's uh, funny enough, I was going to kind of try to loop back the issue about gentrification back to that at some point. But, um, I mean, you know, I was born there um, most of the time. So I'm teaching now at uh, POIC. I teach high school. And I spent half of that time that I was in high school was in Egypt, and the other half was here in the U.S., um, and, um, yeah, it was just, it's a, it's funny how I feel like sometimes with that, um, experience of immigration and even more so with friends I've had through the years who came through, um, other systems that were less privileged, privileged as far as documentation, asylum and, um, being in between documented and undocumented. And I almost, I almost had an experience of that, but I, I was very privileged that I had, um, some sort of route through quote-unquote paperwork but hey i'm saying quote-unquote but it it makes a big difference when it comes to flesh and blood and um you kind of feel like this sort of um there's a part of you and it, it's not it's not tragic it's actually very intellectual and very beautiful but there's a part of you that knows what loss means for for a very it's kind of just becomes part of who you are mm. because you become not of either world in a way um whether it's um, your cultural references, the smells and sounds that are familiar to you, there's always something lost, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and with everything that you gain, you kind of have that perspective of, I'm I'm gaining a new community, but there's a sense of home that yeah, not may not happen again, yeah. or I'm not gonna see again. or But then there's gratitude for that, right? Like the sense of home that you get in the moment is, some, is what you make of it. Right. That's what I get, like what, the idea of home is not as granted anymore so it becomes about cultivating home right and cultivating um, the responsibility of home and the joy of home you know yeah and you know i've been wanting to ask you this question since i found out you wanted to come on the show mm. um being somebody who had similar paths to you mm. um you know i'm eritrean born and raised in yemen and moved to the u.s and mm. One thing, even like in high school, I remember I really struggled with this. Um, not a lot of people know about that, was that I didn't feel the sense of belonging. Mm -hmm. Like I fit in at school and like I was doing sports and blah, 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 like all that. But deep, deep, deep inside, like I didn't feel like I belonged there mm -hmm. um, because I felt it right there, there. There was always like these like certain things that were missing right, mm -hmm. from this culture that I hadn't experienced as a child. And then in Yemen, I I didn't feel like I belonged either because mm -hmm. I was an Eritrean there, mm -hmm. right? They didn't consider me, even though I was born and raised there. I wasn't considered mm -hmm. as uh, an equal or somebody yeah. who's from that place. And then Eritreans don't consider me that because of, you know, like my background right. where I was born and raised, right? right? So there was always this dilemma, like, where do I yeah. fit, right? And it eventually I figured it out, make your own lane, right? Mm -hmm. um, but did you struggle with these with similar issues? I did, and um, I did like within my own context. I certainly did. My um, I come from a lineage of 
Sufi Muslims, mm-hmm. and that was um, so I belonged to the majority religion in Egypt, but in a way that could not be very expressed. That would be um, at times kind of held suspect if I were to say it out loud. Mm-hmm. Um, and then moving here, it was sort of it was this idea of being a minoritized religion and feeling what that's like, you know, and then a um, kind of a demonized religion on top yeah. of that. Um, there's also the layer of um, being queer but feeling unaccepted by the queer American community in the large sense and feeling unaccepted as a queer person, period, um, back in, in Egypt. And then kind of uh, through study and through, you know, and it's part of what pushed me to take all these loans and kind of go to school was yeah. finding about all the different layers, all the things that we assume we've always been that way and will always be that way, or it's always been. Humans have always been black, or our country's always been our culture. Right. It's never that, ever. It evolves, See, right. Always evolves, yeah. always, and sometimes devolves, too, and yeah. to, to come to terms with that and to find out my own sense of like queerness from these pieces of history of, you know, different lives within Egypt and surrounding countries and also different communities here that may not be what we see represented as queerness you know what i mean yeah um i remember us in in, in our meetings and stuff talking mm-hmm. about certain things right mm-hmm. um one of the things we've been trying to do is make our school more inclusive mm-hmm. right and i overheard you say that you worked um with a lot of people who were trying to figure out where they were on that spectrum right mm-hmm. um who've of course like many other minorities been shut down Mm-hmm. Uh, or their voice has been like pushed back, right? Um, can you talk about that work that you were doing? Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Sorry. I, I love, no, no, thank you for bringing that up. I loved, you know, shout out Tarab NYC. I don't know if you'll ever hear this. Tarab NYC. Tarab NYC. Shout out Tarab NYC. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I was, you know, it was the most amazing. Um, one of the most amazing work I've probably ever done. It was free and it was on a, but I was just so excited to be on the board for something. I think another thing too, like, um, you know, in New York in school, I felt, I felt it, it was wonderful to be for the first time in an environment of majority people from Arab and North African environment. That's very new to me in the US, but most of them were middle class or educated class. And I, right. you know, I'm from a working class family. So it's funny to have this other layer, like all these shift in layers and, um, and then outside of that, I found the queer Arab community and North African community. And Tarab NYC was this nonprofit that was doing um, everything from parties to town halls to just everything. And I just jumped on board. And the neighbor who was like, you know, he was like our unofficial auntie slash grandma <laughs> slash feed, he fed us just everything. And he lived like a five minute walking distance from me. And it was just the most, the luckiest thing. Yeah. So I ended up really participating in the community. And it was really great be honest with you and this is not a common experience for me i feel like here it's really interesting being back in in portland and you know i'm i'm new to portland but i feel like i'm back to portland in a different sense where and what i mean by that is not being in an environment where people where my first language is heard often or people even can read what i am Mm -hmm. so a lot of the what is perceived as racial ambiguity ends up becoming a moral responsibility for me. Like, where do I fit in that? You right. know, what what do I do with that? What do I do right. with being um, not historically part of the racial ambiguity I represent, but also someone that benefits from it? Like, right. what do I do with that? But in, in New York, it was around mostly, you know, I'm a shy person, but it was mostly people who were like, I got a little bit of that assumed home sense where I can call out somebody on their anti-blackness like that yeah. without it. Because I'm like, I speak your language, like shut up, you yeah, know, yeah. and shut up with love. It's like, yeah. no, I'm going to keep you in check. Yeah. Or I can call out somebody on their like anti trans bias, even within the LGBT. I'm like, no, or I can even get called out myself. Like, right. Mariam, I don't think you thought about that, you know, yeah. and especially like sometimes I used to hold, but I'm working class. Y'all don't understand. Y'all don't and they're like, no, you need to like stop. You need to kind of analyze that and not use it as a way to keep a layer between you and us. Like there were, that was a big moment for me where right. I was checking my own biases too. There was this bluntness that I missed. And it's not just, it's not, I mean, it's New York bluntness, but I feel like it's feeling, it's being granted license that you're believed to someone who loves the community and is loved and is working, doing your work, putting in your homework, and now you're sharing what you got. And that is such an amazing feeling. And I think that's when I started to see even the belonging that I used to exclusively see as like white privilege. Now I'm like, that's a sense of belonging that 
everyone should feel like right. feeling like I don't know feeling like you're not you're not owed so you you don't owe something for being on this earth and right. for feeling at home in it yeah for being looked at for being seen and to have that to turn that from a right to a privilege is it's heartbreaking it's heartbreaking and that's what happens when communities are broken up that's what happens when you're estranged that's what that feeling of like you can just sit around and just kind of experiment and be yeah and you know express and emote and just feeling being like your best self yeah, yeah being your best self i love that being your best self and working and resting at the same time because you're in that community you know yeah. like kind of reminds me of you know i i was mentioning this to a couple of students when uh my mom's my mom's community in egypt you know it's thought of as like you know sometimes my like other people in my family they would they would kind of like talk trash about it outside but once they're in it they're totally it yeah. like they're like no we're not that anymore we we've gotten we have more money now we have more education yeah. but then when they're back in the neighborhood they're just they're being just their wildest back, yeah. selves and they're i remember my aunties would laugh so loud that my ears would hurt yeah. my ears like just god that like stop yeah. <laughs> my ears hurt you're yeah. laughing it's great <laughs> and you can't but now like looking at that action when someone's laughing so hard that other people's ears are hurt is that work or is that play you don't have to delineate it that yeah. you don't have to and that's that's what being intensely alive means and when you break up a community you're taking that away from them yeah. you're asking them to zombify themselves and that that dehumanization and then you're blaming people for being whatever that's diagnosed as violence or diagnosed as madness or diagnosed as aloofness or diagnosed as racial like but it's like that's systemic that's systemic violence if you're taken away from me my community you're that's systemically taken away from me my air that is right. a different kind of weaponization and you know like you know it's, it's amazing that you say that we talked about a lot of biases today mm -hmm. um and i was just yeah. thinking back to like what what you know and and this is uh and, and will you could touch up on that too um you know like as a dude like a man uh who grew up in a masculine culture, born in a masculine culture, moved to a masculine culture. Um, I was just trying to like go back and check what biases I had, right? And even, you know, talking with Peter, and Peter is our coworker, shout out to Peter. Peter! Um, and just learning, right? Because the LGBTQ community, um, I, I'm still learning, right, about that. And just asking him to explain a lot of things about that, that acronym. And then he added the word allies to it, right? And that was really cool because, you know, even though I don't identify as one, I have a lot of loved ones who do. And, you know, I consider myself an ally of that. And just learning those biases that I might have coming into that situation you know, like, and, and in today's conversation around that, I felt like I was growing, right? And 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 to me, every birthday is not like a time to go and, and celebrate. To me, that's a time to reflect, right? And every new year is mm -hmm. a time for me to reflect. That's something I do diligently, and I've been doing for the last probably like 20 years, right? So for y'all, when you reflect, what are some of the things that go through your mind? And we have a couple of minutes left. So I want to make sure to, to let you know that. Um, give me that message, and then also give our listeners your last message for the day. Mm. Cool? Cool. All right. Let's do two minutes each. That's a each. great question. What do I, what goes through my mind when I reflect? Uh-huh. I'll just keep it simple. What can I learn that can help me grow to treat others better? Mm -hmm. That's the only question I need to ask. Yeah. Because what's going to make me feel better is making sure that num the first question is answered. So, um, and the way that you are asking questions and, mm -hmm. and fielding this, you, I can tell that you are growing from these conversations mm -hmm. around. Definitely. Um, and I really admire that facilitating spirit. Um, and so I like to ask questions, um, about myself so I can learn more about myself, but then ask others about things that I, I can accept I don't know about that. Right. It's hard to, to accept that you don't know. Right. I think that's a really difficult thing. Um, but when I, when I do accept that, I feel better because that's the beginning of me being able to learn. Right. And what's your last message to people for today? 
my last message to people listen to music that makes you feel good and listen to music that makes other people feel good listen to different types of music I'm just, I'll leave it at that listen to, listen to a lot of different types of music thank you Maryam thank you for that um, I think it's a for me I, I think I reflect a lot on knowing and not knowing knowing and unknowing especially those days and you know integrating different ways of knowing so like being swir- spiritual being um, part of different communities intellectual also taking a break and realizing the breaks are part of knowing and resting and um, and how to instill when it comes to my my role as an educator it's something that I work on every day within myself and I work on it with my students which is how to you know it, it's a it sounds like a simple idea but it, it can be so radical like how how can my students see themselves as international or internationalist leaders because they know their local environments those systems are very interconnected and their effect their output in the world is interconnected if anything because we're moving you know yeah. um and how to really have them know that oh well i can't i can't look at the outside because i only got to take care of the inside actually that's a I gotta take care of the inside is a great start, but know that you're also taking care of the outside simultaneously. Mm-hmm. You know, there is no outside. It's a very, uh, unfortunately, the the systems of oppression are just as interconnected as the power, the networks of power that people can create, and the networks of love that people can create. Mm-hmm. It's inseparable. It's yeah. inseparable. Yeah. And as much of a mind bleep as it can be to see how the oppressions can be interconnected, it's also equally just heart melting to see how the the creativity is interconnected mm-hmm. and I think for our last message that I would leave people with it's um, maybe coming back to the note of voting whenever an action like voting takes root and like blows up like that to see that as part of the people and not the opposite the people are not here to vote the vote is here to serve the people mm-hmm. if we find that struggle ineffective if some people are finding it ineffective let them explore that if you feel like they're finding it effective then talk about that but talk about that from the heart from the heart of creating a group of people like creating creating just radical love Mm. sometimes giving someone a gift is that radical love sometimes that's your vote sometimes going to the protest is your radical love Mm -hmm. sometimes I feel bad saying that maybe on the radio but sometimes I feel like my student shoplifting that was the radical love (laughs) they're saying this is theft how much are you charging me for this and why (laughs) Um, you know there are many different acts of of love and of radical love is revolution and that takes many roots and putting that first I feel like our tactics will become a lot more love and a lot more actually convincing than having some sort of um reward and punish like if you're not doing that you're not with it and it's like uh uh-huh. you don't know what kind of perspective i have on that you know let's yeah. put the love first yeah yeah well you know thank you too so much uh for your perspective appreciate y'all coming here and blessing us with your presence um um we're gonna be listening to Day, one of my favorites if not the favorite uh and the song is called keep looking um portland uh remember to love ask questions when you don't know uh, but more importantly, listen to understand, not to reply. Um, this been an amazing episode of Keeping It Real. Uh, this is your host, Aron. Shout out to Nick Deasy. Uh, remember that we are having a visual for Mulugeta Tuesday at 9 a.m. If, if you need any more information, look up Urban League on Facebook. Thank you, Delphine.
are tuned to KBOO Portland. Kibu is excited to be part of the 2018 Willamette Week Give Guide. This year, Willamette Week and Kibu are challenging our community to give with their dollars and take action by showing up in real life. Kibu has been showing up for over 50 years. Give to Kibu today and you get full access to the Chinook Book app plus freebies from Laughing Planet. Gluten-free gem, we yeah. press, and Nosa Familia coffee. You can contribute right now at kboo.fm slash give or call 503-231-8032. Support KBU where music makes the movement. KBU Community Radio is proud to co-sponsor the Gorge Wine Weekend event starting Friday, November 9th in locations around Hood River, Oregon. Gorge Wine Weekend celebrates the completion of the harvest season with three days of events including library tastings, picnic parties, vineyard tours, and much more. Again, that's the Gorge Wine Weekend event starting Friday, November 9th in locations around Hood River, Oregon. More information can be found at kboo.fm on the right side of the homepage under Community Events. Home from school. Our dad said we're all going to the 